Hey! hey! And welcome to the Clapped Out Moto Hour. I'm your host, Jordan, and today on the show from San Diego, California, we are joined by Danny and Rochelle. Hello. And as well as Jamie and Amando, faithful listeners. Hello. Hello. So much for coming on and hanging out with us. We also have Robert. Hey. And Daniel and Eugene. Yeah. So today we're talking all about one of my favorite films of all time. One of, I think, a lot of motorcyclists' favorite films of all time on any Sunday. Uh, Bruce Brown's classic film about motorcycling in the late late 60s, early 70s. Kind of covers a little bit of both. And so, yeah, we all kind of watched it. Some of us hadn't seen it before. Some of us had seen it before. And we're just going to kind of jam and talk a little bit about that. But, of course, first, before we get into that, we've got to talk about what is on the bench this week. So I choose you, Danny. Tell us what's going on in Mopedlandia. Uh, this is a, a cross between a moped and a motorcycle or dirt bike, as it is Explain. classified. What's it uh, called? It is a 1974 Samadhi Mini Chic. It Ooh, is a, a, mi a mini a moped, chic. so it's got like eight inch tires, what? but it's got a three speed manual transmission on it. It's okay. a oh, that's right. Franco Marini Moto. It's an Italian engine. Mm -hmm. It was a split off from Minarelli. Minerella. So uh, it runs. I'm a little I, suspicious of an Italian moped with Frank. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> but, yeah, it, oh, it runs. Three Back fascist what? speeds. Fuck. <laughs> eight inch, eight inch wheels on I front think, and back. I think it's eight inch, yeah. They're oh small. Gosh, eight inches like smaller than a BMX tire. Oh yeah, it is. They are tiny oh, and it is gosh. magical. Are they like, like I'm, I'm imagining like wheelbarrow tires, like where they're like plastic. <laughs> no, they're, 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 they're treaded tires. It's hard. Rubber. It was registered in 99 as an off-road vehicle. Oh, so God. no shit. Got myself a nice little dirt bike using strong air quotes there. But <laughs> I mean, the lighter they are, the higher they jump. So what, <laughs> what did you, what, what did you do on that? Uh, just kind of general tweaking. Um, it was running super lean. I pulled the plug and was shocked at what was going on there. Um, chalky. yeah, but in, in general, I think it needs at least some new gaskets cause there's something going on. It keeps soft seizing on me when I'm riding around the neighborhood. That's all good. Just put a little oil in. Yeah. You know, I did, I, I did change the oil. That was one of the first things just I did. Rev it a little higher. Um, <laughs> But it's good. I got some jets that uses the same jets as some of the other Dordo carbs I've got. So all in good time. And it has inspired my neighbor down the street to actually build one of his motorcycles that's been sitting in boxes in his garage. So very nice. Inspired. Yeah, those Del Ordo, Del Ordo cards are terrifying to me. I once so walked easy. away from a bike. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. Rochelle, what about you? Have you what have you been working on lately? <laughs> uh nothing really, yeah. Nothing. Oh, nothing. <laughs> Just riding, I hope. Any sweet rides recently? Um, we rode downtown to get some food and it was lovely. 
Where did you go downtown? Downtown San Diego. No, downtown La Mesa. Oh, I love downtown La Mesa. Okay. 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 I was kind of hoping for a Bronx pizza update. Could I get a like really quick flash Bronx pizza update? Is Bronx pizza still in Hillcrest? Yeah, we just saw it yesterday. Robert, I need that bike. <laughs> 800 bucks. Sorry, we have some we have some craigslisting going on in the background don't mind on. us <laughs> so riding around la mesa what did you ride on rochelle what's your what's your steed of choice these days uh what is what did i write oh my white tomos that's white 1995 tomos targa <laughs> whoa 95 holy cow that's like the newest moped ever. super new <laughs> that's amazing wow is it fuel injected <laughs> no they they come they come with oil pumps but everyone just deletes them because they mm. always fail they delete yeah. them like remove them yeah all my inject all my injected bikes are plugged <laughs> off because yeah. in theory it's like supposed to be like i know the yamaha systems are supposed to be and the suzuki ones are all supposed to be really foolproof because it's just you twist the throttle and it pumps a little more or less I just don't trust them. I'm like, eh. I just, I take little Premex bottles and go to the gas station and dump them in with the tank and rock it like 50 times pumping the handlebars. I'm like, all right, that's, that's mixed. Yeah. For, for the mopeds, you got to delete them because they're, the way they're set is for a 50 CC engine. And if you put the kit on it, it's mm. outputting more power than it would standard. So you could not get enough oil and then oh, have a real I see. fun seat yeah that'll be a real a hard seize right Yo. <laughs> amazing well amondo jamie what do y'all got on your bench i want to hear trail 90 updates uh still just riding the trail 90 to work we rode um so we're in san diego versus oakland mm-hmm. today and we've been in our van and santiago for the last week and we took him on to the dunes in pismo not working on them but enjoying riding our van so the so you actually took the ct90 on the sand how did that go we took the van oh the you should have tried that's even better yeah, we, we didn't take a motorcycle with us this oh dang well that's rad the van is rad to you how's the van doing these days i haven't seen it in quite a while oh it's doing great give us a quick give us a quick spec give us a quick spec rundown what are we talking okay. about what so, what van again uh, are we talking about 87 oh, okay Volkswagen Vanagon Camper, burgundy color, named Santiago. Stock engine. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no Subi. Last year. No Subi swap yet. No Subaru swap no, yet. Not I going for a boxer. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. save Just the headache. Too <laughs> yeah. much trouble. I think that like. You should take some measurements. I think you could definitely fit like an R1 engine or something in there, like a huge inline four. Just like, yeah, that would be sick. I'll put all kinds of stuff in there, like a 1.8 turbo. Yeah, I've seen the 1.8 turbo builds. There's a guy here. Do people put turbo diesel in a motor? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, the 1.8 is a turbo. That's just the 1.8 turbo from like the post Mm-hmm. The, yeah the tt but i want to say there's a guy out in um tennessee that does like a diesel i can't remember if it's turbo or not mm-hmm. amazing i want to see that <laughs> that's awesome and you guys traveled around in that for quite a while didn't you 
Yeah, we did a year doing a loop of North America in the van, uh, 2018, luckily before the pandemic. Uh, we did Mexico, Canada, US, Alaska. Um, it was a great time. So it was nice. nice to be back in the van for the last week. Nice. Yeah, we haven't gone camping since August last year. Yeah. Too long. Wow, August. Holy cow. I guess it's been a while for me too, but dang. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad y'all are down in San Diego visiting with Danny. Was there was there briefly an interrupted uh, Bronx pizza update, by the way? Yeah, it was so yesterday. Okay, but no one's eating at it. So that was one of the options yesterday. We went to Cuervos. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We were this close to grabbing pizza from it yesterday. You know, it's still it'll still be there tomorrow. You can always yeah. If you get it and you let it sit in your car, the grease actually dissolves the box and it (laughs) turns into a box of grease, and then the pizza floats in it, and it's delicious. Look, if you haven't if you haven't premixed with Bronx Pizza Grease, then yes, (laughs) officially sponsored by Bronx Pizza Premix. (laughs) Your gas, see what happens. It'll probably work out fine. It'll smell delightful. Bronx Pizza. What a wonderful establishment, Bronx Pizza. I've been going there since I was a kid when I was really young. I remember getting pizzas there. Best pizza maybe in the world. Let them box you a pie. Let them box you a pie. Robert, what's on the bench this week? I actually worked on things this week. uh, Despite also going camping. I was out in uh, Zion National Park uh, for a couple days, and then we went out to Grand Staircase uh, in Utah, which was rad. Um, got a surprise week off work, so that was nice. And then nice. Um, actually got a little bit of work done on actually both bikes that are not running and taken apart. So on the Triumph and the Husky. Um, the Husky, right now I'm stripping down the frame. So kind of pulled most extraneous bits off. And I have one bolt that's giving me a hard time. Uh, shock, the rear suspension like mounting bolt is, I can't figure it out. I don't know. It's spinning. It's spinning, but will not. Nothing I do will get it out. So if what anybody it, has any hot it? tips, so it's it's where the suspension meets the frame on the top. So the top of the rear shock ah. where it meets the frame. Mm-hmm. It's like all the old bikes where it's basically you imagine two steel plates. Uh, the the eye of the shock lives in between, and then you have a bolt going through. Right. So the nut is off. The bolt is just spinning in place, but like. I cannot get it out. The other side was no problem. Tapped it out. Easy peasy. This side, like I wailed on it quite a bit with a hammer. I did like a steel bar clamped on both sides to put pressure on it while like rotor hammering it out. It'll Mm. spin freely. It will not back out. Uh, Mm. It's really... It's really bugging me. So no, no tack welds on one side or something to. No, the bolt is spinning. Spinning. It's yeah, spinning it's fine. Be... It's just not yeah. backing out. So I tried like mm. any number of things, but it, it's just not coming out. Um, just soak so that. It is. It would soak in. Um, so the only thing that? I can, the only thing I can think <laughs> of, is that there, like a recess or something has worn inside the race that's catching on a washer. Like okay, so. If you if you imagine like there's two right the frame itself has like two steel plates yep. inside of that are two fender washers inside yep. of that is the eye of the shock yep. body um, the outside washer has rust like seized to the steel frame yep. and so the only thing I can think of is that the bolt itself has worn like a recessed groove that is now riding right. on 
that washer. So if you imagine this is the washer and there's like the bolt is like stuck, so it's spinning but won't back out because even whacking it, it's just hitting the washer. And um, yeah, it's spinning. I don't know. It's a mystery. That's, so why, I, that's why the good Lord gave us air hammers, air chisels, and sawzalls. So it is, <laughs> yeah, it, sawzall is is becoming the uh, where it's going to go. I think from here, it. dremeling it out. So, um, but Ugh. it's going, it's going yeah. with that. Then I'm going to strip the frame and repaint it, and then the Triumph is going along. Mm-hmm. It's just tearing down the engine still. Uh, pulled the valves because the top end's off, um, mm-hmm. and everything looks good. Actually, got to look it up. The valves look brand new, which is awesome. Uh, and I have replacement valve strings. So that's the update. Sick. Daniel, how are you doing over there with your broken wrist? Uh, it's all anything? Meant, <laughs> but um, yeah, I actually found out for those who are watching in the um, uh, on the video that my cast says something hilarious. Um, yeah, we can uh, see with the background. <laughs> there, yeah, right here. <laughs> I'm going to turn I that off. For just, yeah, yeah, you guys get the idea. Um, yeah, right, right. The, uh, the name of the company uh, partly came off, so uh, I've been rocking that on my splint for the last couple of days, which is pretty funny. We're, but, of course, uh, not going to say what it is. Because... Yeah, right. And just cutting it off like they did in the video. A lip cut, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think I might have to do physical therapy, which is unfortunate because I, I just don't, I can't turn i can't move my wrist like i should be able to at this point at least mm. in my opinion i'm not sure exactly where i'm supposed to be at in my healing process according to the doctors but um yeah i think i'm gonna have to call them on monday and make an appointment to start yeah. doing some like official physical therapy if i want any chance of being able to go back to work by the 10th so um other than that though uh it actually doesn't really hurt um i was trying to open a bottle earlier today and my wrist is still very broken uh <laughs> i felt some really intense pain um, but funny enough, it's not on the side that the screws are on. It's on the other side, which is just like a hairline fracture. So, hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I'm getting through it. It's, uh, still off work, but, uh, yeah. It's I mean, healing. I feel like you could do the top end of that Honda with one hand. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No and of problem. course the bikes are just hanging out, so I can't, uh, I can't ride. I probably actually have enough grip strength now that I could pull in the clutch on the X2 yeah. pretty easily. And I thought about mm-hmm. riding, but I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, if I went down, mm-hmm. I had to panic and like grab the clutch. That wouldn't be very safe. So don't uh, grab the clutch. Yeah, there you go. Just just you know, <laughs> just uh, drop the drop a gear and just slam it down and uh, just kick it in here and yeah, there you go. and do a fat yeah. wheelie. Yeah, wheelie yeah. <laughs> off into the sunset. Wheelie across right. the 126. I've been there, done that. Yeah, I've, right. I've tried to get that bike to wheelie. I think it's just the uh, the shaft-driven yeah. nature of it. Uh, you know, you it just won't. It won't. It won't you go up. You just got to believe in yourself, Daniel. You can yeah. get an extra six fifty. Yeah. It's only five hundred fifty pounds. Easy. Yeah, you know. Jeez. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Yeah. Well, you'll be back up and Adam soon, buddy. For our listeners who may not have tuned into earlier episodes, Daniel totally ate it trying to jump a big-ass ravine and yeah. totally didn't make it. He did make it to the other side. The bike made it to the other side. It was super impressive, but unfortunately, he totally broke his wrist. Yeah, so you heard it went, first. went ke- evil Knievel on that thing. Unfortunately, no big-ass bonfire or Coleman mini bike was involved. So Unfortunately not. Yeah, <laughs> we should have taken a picture and photoshopped a fire. In the ravine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could recreate it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I'm trying to think, I don't know when we, if we on the last episode recorded, if I've updated anyone or even started the neighbor kids saga. Have we? That's right. No, I don't think it came out. I know we talked about it like that. A little bit. But I don't know if it. 
here's how it goes. So I live in a wonderful neighborhood in Eastern Oregon in the beautiful town of La Grande. And my neighbor, a lot of the people in the neighborhood ride bikes because they're rad. People here are generally pretty rad. So, you know, uh, the neighbor across the street does not have parents who ride dirt bikes. And he rides mountain bikes in the neighborhood. I see him all the time. He's 12 years old. And I always see him, like, poking out the window for the last, like, couple months. I'd, I'd catch him, like, looking out the window, uh, scoping it out while I was working on stuff. And I told his mom, I was like, hey, listen, anytime he wants to come over and mess around with the bikes or do whatever. I mean, this kid is, like, almost six feet tall and has, like, size 12 feet. I was like, he's ready. Like, he, I have a loaner bike he could use, no problem. And uh, so she sends him over one day. And he's like super interested. He's got a thousand questions. He's really mechanically oriented. I know he like rebuilds RC cars or something. And, you know, he's always got little projects going in his barn behind his house. And we've got a big pasture field in the back. And so I was like, hey, bud, let's just roll this, uh, the, the 82 uh, Honda XR200 that I have. I was like, let's just roll this out to the pasture and, and get you started, you know? And it took about two minutes, I think, to show him like, this is how you started and this is the clutch. He's 12 years old and he instantly was like, yep, I got it. And just like, Rah! just like ripped down and like total, he's got it. He's got the clutch. He's got the lean. He's got like everything down. He can kickstart the bike. No problem. It's, it's a fairly easy bike to ride, but it's just amazing how fast he took off on it. The second time I took him out, he was like pitching wheelies over one of the bumps in the grass. He's like, Hey, how do you like get the front end up? And I'm like, I took the bike from him for a sec. I was just like pump the suspension and lift up and kind of give it some throttle and he's just straight up just like wheeling through these little like <laughs> like he's trying to jump it he's like how do i jump over this and they're little like one foot tall bumps i'm like i don't know i think you gotta just get the speed and pump it right before and he's just trying and trying and he's just like pushing it like trying to get it's got a cheater on the rear so it, uh, it's a really soft compound tire so it doesn't really break super well so you can't really slide the bike around as much but he is just, it's amazing. He stands up and turns like he's got, he's lofting the front end up on flat ground now. So he rides mountain bikes, um, but he's like, he's styling. And this whole time he comes to my shop and I have like seven or eight bikes in my garage right now. It's just ridiculous. And he's like, can we build one? And I was like, ah, unfortunately, but it's like a lot of different parts from different bikes and it, it doesn't really work like that, you know? And he's like, well, I, yeah. He's like, I want to, I really want to build one. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll keep my eyes out. We'll, we'll find you something. But the next day he comes and he's just pushing <laughs> over to my house, a 1981 XR 500 R chassis, like the same as my 200, same year, same chassis design. It's just a little bigger. And he's like pushing it over to the house. He's like, I found this. And I was like, what? <laughs> 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 it, has, so it had forks. It has the shock. It has the rear swing arm. It's got obviously the wheels. And the frame is in great shape. It's like awesome shape. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And he's like, I just found it in a mechanic's yard. And I asked if I could have it. And then he's like, yeah, of course you can have it. So he pushes it over to my house. And he's like, he's like eyeballing. I have an XT250 engine on the, on the, uh, in my little like organizer, yeah, my shelves or whatever. And I've got like my WR250 engine, the two stroke engine on the bench. And he's like, which one of these will fit inside this frame? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, but it's, it's got a weird undercarriage where the engine connects to the frame. And I'm like, yes, yeah, it's just not going to work uh, quite like that. But I was like, you know what? 
I was like, I'm not going to let this kid's dream die. Because how many times, you know, like I when I was a little kid, I used to beg my neighbor to ride his little 50 around. I, I never had a dirt bike growing up, but I just wanted one so bad. So I was like, instantly, I was like, I, I got to help out this kid. So I get a picture of just the bike frame and him, you know, like he's holding it up and I crop out his head because I don't, you know, whatever. And so I get the picture of the bike frame and I post it up on Pacific Northwest Dual Sport page. I know we have a few listeners from there. Thanks for popping in. Uh, we got, you know, I love dirt bikes, PDX dirt bags, another group I used to ride with in Portland. And I'm just like, listen, this kid wants, he's like dead set on building his first bike. What do you got? 20 minutes in, like after I've gotten five comments where people are like, it's not worth it. You'll never find an engine. That's right. five, five, five. Like the sixth comment in is like, I got a 500 engine. You can have it. Like it's in Portland. Yes. I've got an engine. I've got a wiring harness. I've got a Yeah, he's like, I got a bunch of parts sitting around. I'll he's just like, come I get got, them. Yeah, I got it all. I don't want them anymore. Like you can have them. And Daniel comes to the rescue. He's like, it's the parts are in Portland. I'm in LeGrand four hours away. I have a 37 week pregnant wife right now. So I'm like, you know, I can't really like just hop out of town really quick that far. So as Daniel comes to the rescue, he scoops up the bike, brings it out here. The neighbor kid is just pouring over all of it. Like, oh, we could use this. We could use that. We could use this. And so where we're at now is we have the engine core on the bench. Uh, We've taken off the head, started to look at the valves. The cam journals are a little worn. The cam looks like it's maybe serviceable. We'll see. Cam chain looks really good. Also came with like three extra cam chains. Uh, (laughs) Ridiculous. And uh, it's, I think it's going to work out. It's the motor turns. I I got it to turn in the shop after soaking it for a while. It's been sitting outside. I'm I'm really hoping we get the, we we managed to round out a bolt uh, for the head. It has those underhang bolts. So like the four head bolts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the two underhang bolts since it's been hanging outside, just totally rounded out. So, Mm -hmm. but then today we had a baby shower and one of the guys on the street rides is like, oh yeah, we'll just weld a stick to that thing. We'll break it right free. So we're we're on track. We're going to get this thing. This is, it's cool. It's, he's gone from like, I just want to ride. He's been shredding on the 200. I take him out. He's able to go out, you know, a couple times a week and ride on in the pasture and we're getting gear for him. Um, if anyone's listening out there and you have an XR500, uh, the wiring harness is not going to work out. If you have a wiring harness and if you've got a, uh, I'm not sure what the list is. Maybe I'll post on the, the Instagram page. But anyways, he's getting it built. It's an awesome project. I'm so proud of this kid already for having so much gumption to just jump in there. And and he's so mechanically minded. He He's figured out everything and it's been very little coaching to, to get him through stuff. So yeah. He's building the 1981 XR500R of of all of our dreams, really, because it's a beautiful desert bike. That's awesome. And he's going to be shredding on it in no time. So we're going to have to get him on the show at some point and get a, get a little bit of an update. But I was I was genuinely impressed with him, honestly. Not only is he like a super respectful like young man, but he was also just like jumped right in, super enthusiastic. Like he was <laughs> he was a little impatient when it came to uh some of the process of like getting the the engine pieces apart but we're like no nah, just keep at it like he's like <laughs> he's hitting the side cases with a hammer trying to get the <laughs> trying to get them to come loose he's like is there an easier way to do this or like no and then uh and actually jordan was modest in uh taking responsibility well adding spreading responsibility across the board for uh the uh, bolt getting rounded out, but I'm going to take uh, full responsibility for that one. <laughs> I definitely did that. So <laughs> it's those, those it was, to be fair, 
the bolt was fair. very rusty. To be fair, the the <laughs> bolt was very rusty, and I was yeah. like, you really had some gumption behind uh, smacking that thing with the wrench and and the hammer, and then it just started going, and I was like, this feels okay, and then <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a second, and then we look underneath there, and it was it yeah, it just completely rounded. It was like, it's okay. Those bolts, those underhanging head bolts, are the bane of every Japanese bike existence. I don't know if it's just. I mean, I, I imagine the most... The front one in particular, because that rear one came out just fine. It was super easy. I imagine most four-stroke cylinder, four-stroke bikes have those underhanging bolts. And, and when they've been sitting outside like that, they just rust out. And as soon as you get a good wrench on them, they just strip. I've, I've seen it happen plenty of times. So luckily, we got welders in the neighborhood. We got machinists in the neighborhood. So it's just been a cool project where everyone has been coming together to help this kid get going. And in the meantime, he rides the 200. So it's, it's cool that he can actually jump on and ride while he's building this uh, mm-hmm. Dream 500. He's asking me about saddlebags. He's like, could we put those saddlebags you have like on the bike? Can you do trips? And I'm like, yeah. And I show him pictures. <laughs> from, uh, I show him pictures from like going out. So and I'm like, yeah, you load like this is where I put my tools this is where I put my camp gear. He's like, oh, you could put like your tent here. And it's just such an eager young kid. And like Daniel saying, he's super just respectful, really into it. He just, you can tell he really wants to learn. So I've been really proud of the community at large for really helping him out, both on the internet in Portland and uh, in, you know, in our own local area. So it's it's been awesome. So that's, I'm going to call that uh, Neighborhood Kid Bike Update number one. Love it. There will be many more to come. We're going to get this thing going. And uh, we'll get some pictures up on the Instagram. Or I was something. gonna say when he when he gets the XR five hundred running, uh, Daniel, maybe you can hire him to take the top end off your six fifty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's gonna be a pro. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's gonna be like, "What's up with that thing? How do we fix that?" Yeah, right. Like, yeah, you know, here free labor. <laughs> yeah, take care exactly. of it for you again. Yeah, he's and like I said, he's like I swear he's got to be as tall as me, almost as tall as me at least, and he's got like a size twelve foot. So he's just like a shoe in for bike dirt bikes. He just hops right over it. He's like, oh, this is cool, you know, no intimidation, just jump right into it. So it's cool. I think I think he's got a really bright uh, two wheeled future in front of him. So also but- like what a what a. What a badass first bike to be like, yeah, when I was like yeah. 12, 13, I was riding around on an XR500. Can whatever. You, can you imagine going to high school on a freaking 81 XR500 just ripping wheelies through the parking lot? And like, <laughs> principal's out there shaking his fists at him, you know? God damn, that kid is going to be rocking it. So, yeah, it's it's cool. It's a cool project. I think we told him, you know, it's going to be going to be a while you know yeah. there's this is a long process uh, but honestly we're not far off we need a wiring harness uh we need a swing arm bolt and we need just a couple little odds and ends but honestly most a uh, seat pan uh but most of it is there it's it's really coming together so he's so stoked and it's it's awesome working with him so um yeah anyway that's that's my neighborhood uh neighborhood kid bike update we'll get him on the show at some point and he can talk about it more but it's been super cool oh, yeah. um yeah so i mean before the show was on we all got together and watched on any sunday uh this is bruce brown's i'm gonna say yeah 1971 film on pretty much all things motorcycling and it represents a really unique era of motorcycling in that there was a lot of technology was emerging um, racing was becoming really formalized. Like, it, you know, motocross was becoming a thing where it was really organized and had, you know, sanctioned events. And it covers kind of a whole spectrum of like international six day motocross, you know, Bonneville salt flats, road racing. And it's just this really cool snapshot, you know, of what life was like 
guys 50 years ago like this movie came out 50 years ago and it's so cool to think about half a century ago what motorcycling looked like so i have seen this movie a ridiculous several dozen times there's a ridiculous amount it's one of my favorites to put on while ranching but i know four of you didn't hadn't seen it before um yeah does anyone want to chime in like what what were those kind of impressions that you had what did you think of it so going into it so someone who grew up with a dad who raised motocross i texted him right as we were going in. i was like hey we're about to watch this movie it was filmed in this year have you seen it because he was 12 when it came out and like cool. him and my uncle like rode motorcycles in high school and like college, all the college and, and like almost nice. pro and so i was like what is what was tell me about this movie he's like oh it's a classic i've seen it a ton <laughs> Uh, so that was cool to just kind of go into this and be like, okay, like this is the era that my dad started writing um, and just being like, oh my God, no wonder they have so many injuries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you, Jamie, do you know what, um, so if it came out when he was 12, yeah. Do you know where he raced? Like what yeah, part of so California? They grew up in Sonoma. Um, so oh, okay. they like worked Sonoma Raceway as like their, 12 year old jobs selling popcorn or keeping the programs out to like car races. Um, so they, they, I know they had trail nineties back then cause my uncle still has his, um, um, you know, and so they were just riding around the Hills. They would ride, um, there was a track in Fremont. I know they've heard the mention, um, and they would drive around all California. Race. Nice. So that was, uh, like Northern California. Mm-hmm. Okay, because my my uncle raced about the same time raced District Thirty Seven, which is the um, AMA, it's like Southern California district, and he got to race alongside like Malcolm Smith. He saw his first those Husqvarnas he had were pretty new when, well, not super new when the movies were coming out, but he had been racing them for a little bit, and uh, he remembers the first time that he saw them like unloaded and race up this big hill. They're all making fun of him because they're like, "Sounds like a damn chainsaw," and like, <laughs> they were running big four strokes and after that like he, malcolm just loaded out and he's kind of you know you see him in the movie he's just laughing and he loads it out and then he just rips up this hill like faster than anyone this hill that's no one was like you can't do that hill on a bike and then they all went out to malcolm's dealership and bought like husqvarna's i think that was in the late 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 60s early 70s not too long before this movie came they out they mostly rode hondas growing up cool um, they, had and a they, friend. they worked well so they went to san diego state both my uncle and my dad for undergrad and they worked at the honda shop in el cajon cool and like kept their motorcycles inside on the second floor of their apartment awesome, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> just like ridiculousness and my dad still raced motorcycles um around southern california so still today yeah mm -hmm. he's got one in the that's garage awesome. right now oh, that's awesome oh that's so rad yeah, it was, you'll have to see if you can get some pictures. I'd love to see some pictures of all that stuff. So rad. Yeah, so, I mean, what did you think of it? Um, seeing all that stuff from, like, 50 years ago. It's crazy. It was rad. It's fun to see them, like, building the tools that you know are just, like, super common today. To be like, oh, a chin strap on your motorcycle. Or, like, the little... Uh, my dad has... Tear-offs, like, yeah. The tear-offs. And it's just, like, those little clips that, like into your helmet he's like oh yeah you just clip them on i'm like seem like they're just like taping them on yeah they had like <laughs> yeah. those like painters tape <laughs> holding those on. you know like all of these advancements that you're just really used to and you go to the shop now and be like okay people were like building it and putting it together and 
you know, it's what seeing it now and kind of seeing it, what people were making just from scratch. Totally. Yeah. And Malcolm really went on to like pioneer a lot of those products, I think, you know, along other, among other people in California who are making stuff like that, but he still owns the dealership in San or Riverside. And so, you know, that, yeah, it's awesome seeing that stuff being like prototyped and put into action, like in, you know, as it's happening. It's so cool. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I mean, like what you guys seen it for the first time, what was kind of your, your thoughts on it? Get, let's get a review. I mean, I know, I know very little about the motorcycle community in general. Like I got moped community on lock, but like in terms of like dirt bike, like dirt biking, motocross and all that, like a lot of it is still a mystery to me. I know aspects of it, but like, it was just kind of cool to see every single like type just kind of more so explained and yeah, like the discipline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, Plus like that era of bikes is like what i would like to have like early mm-hmm. 70s yeah. just in term in term, terms of like design like in looks in my personal preference like that's like five out of five like right but it's yeah. also i mean that's like it's such a lost thing to like the history of motorcycle racing is that idea of like you have to compete across all disciplines it's yeah not like now where it's like oh you're gonna be like hyper focused on like one specific thing and you're going to do like motocross and that's your thing. It's just like, Oh no, you got to do motocross and then like flat track and then like desert racing and show up to everything. Mm-hmm. I think it was wild to see that all those races too. That's like, you know, there's no prize. Like you get a trophy. Yeah. And you, mm-hmm. You're going to have to pay to enter this race, but every, like literally there's like hundreds of thousands of people out there, like at these different races every week, just for the chance of winning a trophy. Yeah, that's a good point yeah. because it's like before all the big sponsorships, it's all like for the passion. You know, it's not really, it's like not for the money or anything. They're just doing it because they love it and it's not for the money. They're barely sustaining themselves on it. Mm-hmm. I remember reading a, a, or listening to a, a really good Mert Lowell. Uh, he's doing like, I don't think it's his induction to the AMA Hall of Fame, uh, but it's like someone else's and he's talking about how at the time, like Harley Davidson gave him a thousand dollars a month to ride Harley Davidson's in flat tracking and in street riding. And it was just such a, like a huge monumental thing, you know, it's like, Whoa, you know, and it was a good, like they said, they mentioned in the movie how much he's picking up from purses and sponsorships. And so like Mert Lowell at the very top of that time is like pulling in money, but in America, yeah, it's been something where tons and tons and tons of people are just racing um, for the fun of it, you know, for Mm. just, for the glory kind of, you know, and it's still kind of what I love about on any Sunday is the culture, the technology has changed, the formats have changed, but the disciplines and the culture are like, not that different. You know, we, we still have, we have more, I would say disciplines of like off-road riding and on-road riding has definitely evolved quite a bit like track riding, but the culture is still really similar. It's everyone's out there um, kind of have a good time to kind of it's a really supportive sport. I feel like there are rivalries and things, but it's pretty in America anyway. It's it's pretty uh, it's, it's a pretty big community. It's a pretty big family, really. So it's cool to kind of see how that stuff begins and, and how it's set up. Totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any other like thoughts? What did you think? I'm curious. What was the best? What was like the the thing that you're like, fuck, I want to get out and go ride my bike now. <laughs> Ice track racing all day. 
the oh the scenes where malcolm's ripping against uh, ripping over chapala yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that you can still in the dry season you can still do that you could totally reenact uh ripping through lake chapala <laughs> there's more highways now it's a little more developed but i mean you can take a lot of those same roads along the old race course and the modern race course is still always marked out every year that you can you can follow along with you know for me, it's I think the craziest part of all the like Baja scenes are like as even having ridden on like the, the same parts of Baja, but it's like I don't know what feels fast when you're there, and then you like watch somebody 50 years ago on like a bike with uh, maybe seven inches of suspension travel, just like ripping and just like just holding over like all these whoops, like it's nothing, and you're just like, oh, fuck, what am I even doing? Like it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, something I got brought up in the group chat a couple of times while we were watching it was like the suspension travel. You know, it's like, all right, these bikes have like three, maybe five inches of suspension travel and every single whoop, like you're just bottoming out. The bikes are like flailing back and forth. You know, there's, it's just, there's no, like suspension has come such a long way. And like, it's both internal technology with like valving and everything and both with like length of forks diameter of forks have gotten so much better you know there's they're, they're so much more tunable so much better you know and it's so crazy to see them just throwing their bikes at at those kind of speeds over those kind of obstacles and it's like whoa you know i know it's slower than technically what pros are doing today but it seems so much rougher you know some of those motocross crashes are awesome well yeah and it's also like i mean uh especially when you're watching like the middle side there's a lot of like brit bike racing in there and those bikes do have like uh maybe three and a half inches of like suspension travel like maybe four in the front three in the back and they're like three to 350 350 pounds like not light bikes and you're just like seeing these people like throwing them around and just bouncing all over the place and it's like it's it's so hard to like think about what that would be like coming from like a modern bike with just like, I have like 10 inches of suspension travel and it's like, Oh, 300 pounds. Who's going to like muscle (laughs) that thing around. And he's going to be like suffering through it. (laughs) I think those, those scenes with the, uh, all the whoops and like how they were talking about and just, I mean, how many of those guys just get just absolutely thrashed. I think that was like the, I think that was like the moment you realize like, Holy crap, these bikes are insane. Like they're doing insane things. Like they're doing the same things that people do today on these like you know vintage well what we consider now to be vintage motorcycles but like back then you know they're doing the same gnarly whoops that that we would do except they're just i mean they're getting like just absolutely destroyed on these things and i think it truly like yeah puts it into perspective of like wow these are like totally different machines than what we have today and i think i mean i think it's also to like get into the history of it it is why I mean, I think it puts context into like why bikes like the Huskies and when the Euro bikes started, the two strokes started coming over in like the late sixties, early seventies, why it was like such a game changing thing. Cause all of a sudden you had these bikes that were like, you know, instead of three or four inches of suspension travel, you had like seven inches of suspension travel and they weighed like 230 pounds and had like the same power as a big four stroke. Um, which kind of like you, you were saying earlier of like somebody wheeling a husky out and being like oh whatever and then it's just like ripping on it yeah yeah it's, it's totally another time and it's cool because i think when you talk about motorcycle heritage it's like you know 
it's getting harder and harder, I think, to find good documentation of what that stuff was like. And Bruce Brown just does such an amazing, um, he, I mean, I think he really has a really revolutionary style in documentary filmmaking too, of like, you know, endless summer and on any Sunday, cause it's like these perfect kind of lighthearted, but actually really important, you know, pieces of, of history that, that I think we're going to continue to use like 50 years from now as like a, to get context of those eras. So it's, it's just such a great movie. It's fun. It's like, I've shown it to everyone from people who have like no passing interest in motorcycles to people who are diehard and like some discipline that maybe isn't even represented in the movie. And it's just still so awesome to see that. I know the highlight for me is definitely the six day. And we run a couple six day events here in Oregon. Uh, and there's usually one big qualifier for the national stage uh, in usually in Idaho. And that is like my dream is to do a six day. Like I, I'm so bad. I want to do a six day. The the qualifier one's usually prestigious and you have to be invited. But the Oregon, the ones that the Oregon Motorcycle Racing Association puts on are, are open. So one of these days, one of these days when I can have a bike that will hold itself together long enough <laughs> for, six, <laughs> for six whole days. I mean, they do like a two, I think it's like a two day format, but it's the same right. thing. And, and for those of you who haven't seen the movie, maybe uh, it's the six day or don't know about the six day format. It's like a format where you basically have to like keep your bike sealed. You can only change tires and tubes. It's a very like, uh, you know, you have to race and you have to be on your minute. So you can't finish early. You can't finish uh, late. Like you have to be right on your minute. You have to do special trials. Uh, it's, it's evolved a little bit over the years, but the movie does a great job of showing kind of what the pressure of that is like, you know, he's like, you can't change a tire in four minutes. You're not competitive. And I'm like, I'm not competitive because <laughs> no way, you know? Yes. Yeah. That was, that was the event where they could only work on their bikes. Like, if they somehow were ahead of time, right? Correct, yeah. Well, if you want to stay competitive. If you want to stay competitive. <laughs> if you want to stay competitive, yeah. And I know if, unless of a misunderstanding, you have to finish on your minute. So mm -hmm. if you end up going too fast through a section, you can lose points by not being like in your scheduled place at a scheduled time. So they keep everything. They get like crazy with it. The timekeepers, they have like everything written down. And there is, there's like a, like in the movie where they have to do that distance, like maximum speed in a distance. They also can't exceed a decibel. So like they can't have modified exhausts. Otherwise they'll lose points for being too loud and everything is checked like that light, you know, they do a motocross track. And then check the light function, and you're talking about like an incandescent, <laughs> like an ancient incandescent bulb, just rattling like six volt bulb. Yeah, rattling in a motor. I, those things never last. Period. Like you are at such a disadvantage. You know that thing could just go out anytime. Period. So yeah. it's so cool. International Six Day to see it. Uh, the Spanish one, uh, and previous to the movie, that wasn't something that Americans were super competitive in. But Malcolm just came through and just absolutely opened it wide open for for americans to race there uh if my history is is holding correct so yeah it's six day was is definitely my highlight that is just such an awesome part of the movie um <laughs> so, so do you know like when they went over to europe for those races did they just get a bike there or how did how did that work that's a good question. I know um, during that era, Malcolm Smith was very tied in with the Husqvarna dealership and took a lot of trips to what I'm guessing is somewhere in Sweden. And so like uh, miners, I would guess that they probably shipped him one from the factory. Mm -hmm. That would be my, yeah. Bike. Okay. 
That'd be my hard. guess is that they got a factory bike like delivered. Usually during international events like that, like in the Dakar, um, it's not as common, I don't think, for people to ship their bikes over. It's more common for a supplier to like drop them a bike and for them to like get it ready for the race on site. I think it's mm. more practical than shipping from America. But yeah, um, you know, he was really one of the first to bring the Husqvarna. He was like the big guy who brought Huskies over to the U.S. and helped establish them as the off-road beasts that they are. And they still really dominate a lot of categories today, just racing disciplines. So, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. And then you get flat tracking, you know, the Mert Lawell story. You get like all these classic characters, um, all AMA Hall of Famers now, you know, who are just so young at the time and like just getting going, you know, and really paved the way for so many other racers. <laughs> it's just uh, so uh, awesome to watch. I always find it interesting of like you look at the uh, they're like they tell you like the ages of the guys that they're showing in the movie and you're like wow that guy looks like he's like <laughs> at least ten or fifteen years older than what yeah, they're saying he is. Yeah, there's like, the kid who's like nineteen who I swear to God has to be at least like thirty five with like the he's got like the <laughs> he's got like the old the like the dad glasses and stuff. You're just like what the hell like and it's like I think. They don't make them like I, they used to. Yeah, right. <laughs> I I think Dick Mann was like the oldest racer in that in that kind of bunch. I think he was like twenty five or something, and he looks like he's like forty. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah. Oh, Did yikes. not look twenty five. No, because they don't make it that long. I mean, you saw like this was before. Um, gosh, just so much like safety stuff yeah. and like those guys are getting like wrecked every week and all right, I'm wrong. He was 36 during it. So let's cut oh, him. Really? Wow. Let's cut, let's <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's give him... But let's say I'm 30, I'm 30 and I'm not even doing that stuff. Like not nah, flat track. Like it'd be fun to mess around with it, but racing at those speeds, that's amazing that he well, was 130 plus miles an hour, literally yeah. sliding your motorcycle. Like that's yeah. just like absolutely insane. Like, In a long sleeve shirt. In a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and a, and see, a, that's, and a quarter helmet or a three quarter helmet like well yeah and that's and that's like the whole thing too is you think about yeah you have like in a t-shirt and yeah you have like kind of like leather boots with the the steel on the front and on the boot but then it's like like jamie was saying earlier you see the motocross stuff and they have like maybe a little plastic chin guard (laughs) and even into like the 80s you see you don't see people really have they're still in like three quarters with a little like plastic uh mortal Kombat mask yeah it's just like that's not gonna do much man nah. yeah i like how a lot of them i'm always trying to guess if they're like really jacked or if they're just wearing like football armor under <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's just like dang you know and that's what they had it's just such like i said it's a cool snapshot of, of motorcycle history because there just wasn't all that like protective gear around nowadays yeah. moto gp they have like instant, like as soon as they get disengaged from the bike and there's enough G's that they're flying at, they have like a front airbag, a rear airbag. They just like slide and every single time they like get up and they're like, yep, cool. Like they smack their head against the railing, but the helmets have like special like shifting plates in them and all kinds of crazy technology now. So it's, it's just not, you know, it's faster, but it's, I don't think the injuries are near as severe. And and everyone's racing with like broken backs, broken wrists, broken I think it's it's Uh, insane the fact that like you see these guys, they're wrecking into railings like you know, they like you you see in like every other race, you know, with no gear and standing up after those wrecks and just walking away from you're just like, Holy crap, man. It's just insane. At like hundred plus mile an hour wrecks, like 
I mean, these guys, it's not like they're going slow. Like, I mean, granted, it's slower than, like, maybe today's races, but, like, they're going 100 miles an hour, and they slam into a railing like that, and then they just get up and, like, be like, all right, I'm just going to jump back on my bike and <laughs> keep going, you know? <laughs> well, like, I'm going to race again next week. He sat in the ambulance cause... for an hour, and then he's, he's going to yeah. compete now. He's like, oh, yeah, he uh, broke his nose and, like, you know, totally messed got up. Got thrown and like... from a bike at 120 miles an hour, but he's good. Yeah, he's he just like... an hour of resting just insanity and the guy who of course it, who breaks his back and then like he's like you know i'm just gonna soak my cast off and like put a brace on and then six weeks later he's like i'm racing like that is like barely enough time for your a, a back of all things to to heal and then he just gets on a motorcycle again and starts racing again like it's nothing you know a different breed there's a yeah. great there's a, another like jordan and i were talking about this there's a steve mcqueen story where he was racing he was in a moto he was in a bike race broke his foot and then two weeks later in prepping to race Le Mans in a car, he was racing, he was doing a car race at Sebring with a broken foot. And he was like, something like he couldn't fit his cast in, it's like he couldn't like reach the pedals with the cast. So he just like cut the cast off and raced anyways. <laughs> and then like still came in second behind Mario Andretti and was just like, whatever. In a Ferrari, like he yeah, was, Mario Andretti had a Ferrari and he was racing. It was like, like, like a full, like a full Ford. race. Like, yeah. Uh, he's racing for Porsche, I think, but yeah, oh, was he? Oh, I okay. think so. Um, yeah, so he's a good driver, but yeah, the same thing is just like a uh, broken foot. Well, whatever. We'll just race anyways. That's I mean, crazy. I mean, like, you know, I rode two miles back to, uh, the truck with a broken <laughs> wrist. So I think, uh, I think we might need to include me on this list of total yeah, mega badasses. That's, that's what you did. You did climb the hill. Jim Rice. You did climb the hill. Jim Rice, Mert Lawwell, Malcolm Smith. Daniel Murray. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> toughest, toughest, toughest men to ever race. Yeah, it's definitely a different time. I'm sure a lot of those people are pretty messed up. I mean, I've oh seen Mert, Mert, Mert Lawell is on uh, Motorcycles and Misfits, I think. I still haven't listened to that episode. Dang. Or maybe I'm thinking of someone else. I don't know. Anyways, Mert Lawell, I see him in like uh, stuff on you know YouTube and whatever. He's like talking at stuff. And he's still moving, so I'm impressed. <laughs> he's walking. He still walks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, I think after what he's been through, I think that's all you can really hope for, you know? That's the bar. Can you still walk? It doesn't matter how yeah, fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can you still walk? <laughs> can you still walk? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great movie. It's a great snapshot. It's fun. It's, I love the soundtrack. It's very, like, spaghetti western meets is, goofy, yeah. like, cartoon show. I don't know. It's <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. That, that music really just, like, sets you and you're just like, yeah, you want to, like, yeah. do the doing the dance along with it you know i love the title start where all the kids are riding the bmx bikes and they're like ah and they're just like <laughs> hit a big jump and they're all screaming it's just awesome but it's, i think it's also like not having lived through it so i can't speak from first hit, but i imagine it's kind of like the honda ad campaign too where you imagine like what the public perception of motorcycles was in 1970 and to have this movie come along that's not only like oh look there's just normal dudes doing motorcycle stuff but then you have this soundtrack that's really like we're all having a good time on the weekend. You know yeah. what I mean? It is very like uh, you meet the nicest people on a Honda kind of like, and I can only imagine that it probably did a lot to soften the image of motorcycles, like in mm -hmm. a good way. I think so. Especially like yeah. the positive spin on all the commentary. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the Elsinore race too, that's like the perfect encapsulation of that. Like everyone rides, you know, the pig farmer from Marietta, you know, it's just like that. Uh, <laughs> as someone who grew up in that area, like it's so cool to see how that used to be such a big like town event. Unfortunately, that 
actually event you got ran over by kind of the hell's angels started showing up and making a lot of trouble at that and they shut it down for a long long time damn harley riders man ruining everything yeah i know but before (laughs) that (laughs) before all that it was it was a really cool like fun family thing where everyone had a part of it and everyone raced and malcolm still came down and laid down the hate and just owned everyone but (laughs) it's still amazing to watch you know yeah, it's, it's a cool snapshot. I highly recommend it. If you're listening, you've never seen it, and you don't feel like we ruined it. We didn't. There's tons more in the movie, oh, trust there's me. there's so much. There's so much, and it's such a wholesome. Watch it with your family. Watch it with your kids. Watch it with your grandma. She'll be like, yeah, I used to race when I was a kid. Not like you old, <laughs> old bitches nowadays. I, I, actually have, I actually have a funny story where I was writing my kind of somewhat related the one of the first days i was in town and i got my dt175 back from portland i brought it back out here and i was just like riding through town and i get to the post office and it's like doing something with my p.o box and you know it's the one setting like ring, 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 ring. and it's like an instant attractor for like old people are just like anyone over the age of 55 is like i used to have that bike and even if it was like they had a ts or they had a dt it doesn't it doesn't matter like they're like that's a two-stroke and it's looks like it's from the 70s so they'll come talk and it's awesome (laughs) and one time a lady came up and she was like yep i had one just like that and i used to smoke all the boys on it she's like i was the fastest (laughs) and like they used to make fun of me and uh roost right in their face and i'm like that's awesome and she was like this like 70 year old lady i was like you should get another bike she's like i'm thinking about it so (laughs) (laughs) you meet the nicest people on a yamaha that's all (laughs) so five out of five six out of five stars go watch the damn movie it's awesome um for this week uh clapped out pick of the week uh to a segue we're gonna do something a little different we're gonna pick a bike that we saw from the movie if you don't know the specifics it's all gravy and i'm just gonna say pick pick a bike that you want from that movie i can think of several so i'll let everyone go in front of me (laughs) and I'll, i'll just pick the scraps Daniel, what was that movie from On Any Sunday? If you could have any bike from On Any Sunday, what would it be? I I guess the scene that I go back to that I think was really funny to me was the the scene where the guy cuts the corner and he's in seventh place and then rails into his uh, his teammate who's in third. And then the guy <laughs> yeah. in third place is just like very like um, classically like uh, old timey mad where he just like waves his fist. And like, they do like the voiceover <laughs> too. It's very like Benny Hill. Like, yeah, like in yeah, the back. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you son of a... Like, <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, awesome and you guys are saying that's a that's a bsa i'm gonna guess it's a BSA. i have to watch back i think maybe he's on a bsa mm-hmm. um i bet I'm gonna, see, I'm gonna see how quickly i can try to scrub to that part of the thing oh while, while we <laughs> continue Robert's talking been, i have I'm to gonna, know i'm putting my money on a bsa but robert's gonna do the research and yeah i'm digging in deep i'll get you an answer um rochelle what's the one bike if you could have any of the bikes from the movie which bike is going home with you I don't think I really want any of the bikes, but I really want a set of those spiky ice <laughs> for my mopeds. Yes, yes. It gets very ice moped. I mean, all the snow down here. You might as well take the, actually the sand might work. You get you get frost in San Diego. I've seen it. I just want to <laughs> stab things with those tires. Go over and some grass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Aerate the lawn. lawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) I makeshift rototiller. 
you can buy a kit. They're like fifty for a moped tire. Imagine like fifty bucks, and you, you go to Russia have a and you just tire. take some home with you. There you go. You <laughs> might as well take the Triumph with you because that first Triumph with the spiky tires, I would not mind. They're like something. I guess since it's already outfitted. Yeah. You buy the tires, the bike just comes with them. In this game, that's how it goes. Danny, <laughs> Danny, what are you, what are you picking? God, any of them? Any of them? Like, <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think the scene that was real, like, just kind of like, f- not funny, but like, man, like, made me laugh was the the Widowmaker scene where he just they're like, oh yeah, he just rolled up on his his stock bike and you know just fucking did it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is like sitting there with like hill climb bikes and they've specifically tuned for this one hill and he's just like yeah yeah and i mean do it on this stock bike it was the husky i think that he had for throughout the movie and he yeah like everyone else is like oh extended swing arms like you know has like all these like modifications in the engine and like everything is geared for that and malcolm's like that looks fun and he has that like smile on his face through every scene that just kills me <laughs> and he just like rips right up it and finishes top and stock and like third overall which is just yeah, like that it's like Plus, the same that same that same uh smile in that scene where he's doing a wheelie and just like casually hairpin like turns and then <laughs> yeah, just the like smiling like, the whole time like what the hell man that's like yeah. uh, that's like uh, that's like un, like unhuman like the like man's motorcycle skill <laughs> You know, plus I it really resonated with me on his first run where he forgot to turn the gas on. <laughs> it, just, oh, it just really spoke to me. Still human, you know, yeah, despite yeah, it all. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that why won't my bike start? Oh wait, yeah. the gas has been off this entire time. Been there. I've actually done that exact same thing, been riding done a hill climb, ran out of gas in the not like a hill climb like that, but a partial hook like right now. 45 degrees. No, not really. Yeah, that's an awesome, an awesome part of that. Um, yeah. All right, Jamie, what are you taking? What's the bike that you're taking on? Well, Danny just took what I was going to say. Damn it, Danny. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I feel like um, we could all have the Husky. We could just sure. we could all have the Husky. Okay. I think you could have a bike that you could keep together. I think the, the six-day bike would just be, like, pretty intense to be, like, I can bang this and ride it and yes. do a thousand different type of events in it yeah That'd be really cool yeah i mean stone cold reliable i mean yeah that's that's awesome what robert what's the model it's it's a huskavarna I'm glad you asked. it's a it's a husky 250 it's probably a cross i think he wrote a cr yeah, 250 I, it was uh, a cross yeah yeah and he has malcolm rode with an eight speed so you could get an eight speed what was considered an eight speed husky and what it is is there's an outdrive uh two gear like outdrive so you have your main it's a four-speed transmission and then you have two speeds that you can shift through that i think was a separate i think a lever on the bars that you can shift between uh two outer gears and that's so that's malcolm smith's bike for baja um and i suspect for everything else in the movie anytime he's on a 250 it's probably an eight speed and it wasn't the three it wasn't the 360 or the no i think malcolm uh i know for Desert racing, he rode a 250. I suspect he rode the 250 for everything. Uh, Steve McQueen rode a 400, uh, the CR 400. Um, and I think st- had a 360 that he got from Brent Aberg in 68, uh, but then I think favored the 400 over the 360. Word. 
Husky tidbits. That's good. I honestly. Uh, but is Malcolm uh, Smith on a 250? Yeah. A missing, a missing corner of my motorcycle knowledge. So thank you, Amando. What's what are you taking? Okay, so as a mechanical engineer, I was immediately drawn to the land speed record cars at Bonneville. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like the one, like oh yeah, it's, uh, zero to one hundred. You go left to go left, right to go right. <laughs> yeah. You go opposite. Then over two hundred, you're back to normal steering. So like. Uh, just uh, working on a solar car and also like knowing some people that worked on a human powered vehicle where you have like a bicycle inside of a fairing. That's super cool stuff, building like the frame and all the controls. So I don't know if I would want to ride that, but definitely would want to work <laughs> on one of those. Just make sure you can fit inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a smaller person to do the driving. Exactly. Just absolutely insane. I. <laughs> And I was trying to wrap my head around that, like, yeah, counter steering when you go faster, like, you counter steer. If you're at low speeds, you turn, and then yeah. you counter steer when you get to certain speeds. But then I'm like trying to wrap my mind around the physics of like how then at after 200 mile an hour it goes back. I'm like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. It must have to do something with like lift mm-hmm. or like aerodynamics. I don't know if they had any like, um, like control services like doing stuff with air. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll just have to get to 200 miles an hour and find out. But right. I'm stuck at a lowly 140. Don't That's my current cap. Before you do it. What's that? Just, just don't cut off the bottom half of your helmet right before. <laughs> right. No, I'm going full face. Uh, I, mean, I know it's a little. I know it's a little unpopular for the time, but I'm going. I think. It, yeah, I think if you fall going over 200, you just pretty much just slide. Yeah. 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 As long as you don't, nothing stops you. You're good. I, oh, no, I have, no, we gotta go to Bonneville. Ex- exactly. We'll settle this on the flats. Let's see if that. Let's see if that trail ninety will really hit ninety. Ooh. I I had to uh, look up the current. So in that movie, I think they top out at two sixty. Current land speed record is three three seventy six uh, and thirty six hundredths. That's what like. What? Excuse me, 376 miles an hour on a motorcycle sounds really fun, but really terrifying. So, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Body too, because I feel like the two feel safer than just like. I think it's enclosed. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. In on any Sunday, the revisited, not on any Sunday too, but the third one that his son Bruce Brown or uh, Dana Brown made, they do go back to the salt flats, and the one that. Um, Oh my gosh, his name is escaping me right now. Who died on Pike's Peak? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. um, help me, Carlin. Name. Carlin, right? Huh? Huh? Carlin, Carlin, Carlin Dunn. Carlin yeah. Dunn uh, races. Thank you, Carlin Dunn races out there. Rest in peace. And he uh, he is. It's enclosed. Yeah, so <laughs> pretty gnarly. Uh, but it is pretty enclosed. I think he breaks it, which is awesome. It like seizes and the owner's like, oh no, that's cool. I'll just come back next year. So yeah, <laughs> I spent all year making this and thanks for seizing it. But it was, it was pretty, pretty cool. Also a great movie to watch to revisit it. Uh, also, I mean, also what's crazy is that there's still people, give me a sec. <clears throat> the land speed. So the records back then were being set on like push rod triumph engines. And there's still people who will race like, push for land speed records in Bonneville on push rod triumph engines, which is pretty crazy. Nuts. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. nuts. Robert, what are you taking home? 
already did. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you can't pick the same bike that everyone's my, <laughs> my pick of the <laughs> well, I beat y'all to it because I have one. Uh, my pick of the week is posted, and it is uh, the bike in my garage currently in pieces, which is a mine's a 1971. Uh, it is a 400 cross. Um, and what to me is like really so 71 was the last year of that style, and 72 they redesigned the engine. It's beefier, has beefier, a beefier transmission. Um, it's not the same. Um, but to me, like the thing that's really cool about having a 71 is that, uh, so Steve McQueen's in the film is a 70 The movie came out, was filmed in 70 and I think came out in 71, which means that the bike I have is presumably somebody like saw this movie and was like, I gotta fucking buy one of those. I'm going to go get a Husky. Um, and it's real rough, but that is, yeah, that's my pick. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair cause it's, um, it's McQueen's 400s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just the coolest thing. Tank's got I, a dent. It looks good. Also, real quick, I have an answer for you, Daniel. It is a Bolt Taco, oh. yeah. uh, and I believe it is a uh, Bolt Taco Sherpa yeah. uh, based on things. the fenders. Uh, and I will back that up really quickly. So, if, if you would like to challenge Robert in this week's challenge, Robert, yeah, uh, go ahead, do it. I dare contest. you. Go watch on any Sunday. <laughs> I can't believe we've gotten to this point and no one has mentioned it. I'm going for Mert Lawwell's XR750. I would not shave the yeah. crunch down. Yeah. And I wouldn't I wouldn't shave the followers, but goddamn. Uh that bike shortly after the movie came out in the mid-70s, Honda, really the late 70s, Honda started coming through with their own bikes and absolutely spanked that bike. But in its day and that time when it was coming out, you know, it was like the king of the push rods. It was so cool. So my burly. Push my push rods. <laughs> my push rods. It is just so cool. You know, it's got the like whatever air filter thing just dangling off the front. Ah, God, it just I don't know what it is. It just does it. No, they're so cool. Yeah. I love it's good that. enough for evil can evil, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so that that is like peak Americana motorcycle. I want that XR 750 so bad. Harley's tried to redo that bike so many times. Yeah. Everyone, everyone gets so mad when they do. No one wants <laughs> it. Like the street rod is basically that bike, just in a newer you know iteration. The XR 1200 that they put out, everyone hated. And now they're kind of collectors. They're getting really expensive. But for whatever reason, you know, every I think it's the coolest thing they've ever done. And they try to reissue it. And no one no one loves it. It makes me kind of sad. You know, speaking of uh, speaking of Harley, I got to say, uh, I know I mentioned it earlier in the group chat, but the Pan America is apparently, like, pretty hot. Like, people are saying it's actually a really good bike. And I got to say, I'm, I'm impressed with Harley. For I won't allow. I won't allow this Harley propaganda on my show. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. We're gonna have to do it. I I would like to do an ADV show and get someone on who really knows. I feel like we had Lars on, and that he kind of knows ADV bikes better. I I don't I don't like him, but I think I think that it is an interesting approach from Harley. It's very expensive though, and it's GS. It's GS money, and why just buy the GS? I don't just know. Buy the GS. Just buy I mean, it makes some compelling arguments as as far as motorcycles are concerned. I think it makes a I think it makes a good push for that market. In a, so in a well established market, people are saying it's like, yeah, this bike actually makes sense. Unlike everything else Harley's ever done, where they're like, why the fuck would you do this? Yeah. <laughs> so, so tune in next, next week where we where we split ourselves in a heated five <laughs> five hour debate, five hour debate on the Harley Pan American. Just I'm gonna curious. be sick next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. 
Anyways, I just want to give a quick shout out to Dale Rhodes. Dale, thank you so much for sending us the email. I love your Sherpa. Dale writes to us. He says he loves podcasts. He says uh, he's used Dogcatcher for seven years, which is apparently a podcast format that we're on. I probably have mentioned it before. And that's awesome. Uh, He says, sorry to hear about your broken wrist, Daniel. He put 20,000 miles on a 650L, tough as hell, but mighty heavy. Great for breaking bones, Dale. Daniel probably agrees with you. I 100% agree. <laughs> I, did myself, I did myself pretty dirty on that thing. So D- Dale is currently prepping his 19 uh, year old semi clapped. And, you know, Dale, it's a pretty good looking KLT50 Super Sherpa, a really awesome bike that Kawasaki Bikes. really should have done a lot longer, but they just kind of had the Super Sherpa just for a, a, just a short period of time there. And uh, he's getting ready to do the tat. So the Trans-American oh, Trail awesome. this summer from uh, New, he's going New Mexico to Port Orford, which as I've heard uh, is kind of the best way to do it. Cause I guess everything east of there is kind of boring. So the, he gets to do the Rockies and all the cool stuff all the way to Port Orford. Uh, so yeah, Dale. Awesome. I see you're going to Port Orford. Stop over in uh, Eugene and rebuild Daniel's top end. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dale says, keep up the good work and take it easy. Hey, you take it easy, bud. Thank you so much for tuning in. I also want to shout out Jamie. We never shouted you out. Thank you so much for sending that ridiculous picture that we'll definitely post of me riding a gigantic hog and making out with a werewolf statue, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a werewolf statue. It's not a werewolf statue? No, that was me. Oh. In a werewolf mask. In a a werewolf mask. Sorry, I'm getting my... Getting my picture from this. <laughs> it's, it's all. That was a dream you had. <laughs> that same Listen, night. I remember sitting on a bench huh. and I remember kissing something and I thought it was a statue, but apparently it was Daniel. <laughs> no, there, there's different road trip pictures where you, I think, did make out with a statue, but okay. this is a this is a Halloween picture. I'm gonna have to see those pictures. They're in the email. There. <laughs> just dig the hole Jordan deeper. Robert riding a air quoted hog in Seattle. In Seattle, yeah, the Seattle, the market, uh, the market the, hog, the downtown market, hog. market, the brass hog. Yeah, and then I have, uh, I believe Danny was in uh, the Mario Kart costume. Can't see. Oh, the background. Uh, yeah, I was wearing a, a Super Mario costume. And a werewolf mask. Yeah, I remember that Mario costume. Yeah, I don't, but I we did it. We did the makeup. <laughs> it's, it's all, that night's all a blur. That's all a blur to me. I e. It's going to be highly interesting to the listeners. <laughs> oh, very nice. Oh, there it is. <laughs> There's the oh, proof. Oh my gosh! Well, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our ridiculous stories. Again, this show is on any Sunday. I cannot recommend it enough. Go out, watch on any Sunday. And thank you so much. If you want to email us and show some awesome pictures of your bike, we always want to see it. Our email is clappedoutmoto at gmail.com. And our Instagram handle is at clapped, clapped moto. I'm forgetting it already. This it's clap moto pod because there's already a clap moto, I think. Yeah, clap, clapped, out, clapped out pod. Oh, clapped out pod, go. that's what it is. <laughs> this is what happens when I lose my notes. At clapped, clapped out, out pod. pod. At clapped out pod. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep, that's it. So, yeah, anyways, you can. 
<laughs> send us an email at clapmodio.gmail.com or hit us on the Instagram at clappedoutpod. We are also on all the major pod, um, major podcast platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and apparently Dogcatcher and a lot more. <laughs> so, yeah, send us those emails. Hit us up on the Instagram. And thank you so much. Oh, really quick. If, can't forget, if you would like to buy us a coffee, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash clappedoutmoto. If we get $1,000 worth of donations to the show, we promise we will buy a Coleman mini bike, put a Predator T12 engine in it, and we will jump it over, not a small, not a medium, but a big ass fire. So thanks again for <laughs> tuning in to another episode, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. You were gonna go zero. You want me to actually say zero? No, no we go one, go zero. Two in the zeros. Three, two, count one, it, go. Like we always do. Count it. Everyone, count it. Don't say it. Three, two, one, go. Okay, ready.